All right, today I'm going to talk about the set of visions that I received when I was just nine years old. Now, it might have been eight, almost nine, nine plus a month or so. But one night, well, let me back up a little bit. You see, I love to talk about how God does things. So my parents started going to these dinner parties, and they heard about this great new thing called a flip clock. So my mom got one, a gift from my, from my stepdad, and then my stepdad gave me the old digital clock. See, I needed that digital clock because God had a plan. See, so God did all of that, the dinner parties, the desire of my mom to have the flip clock, the fact that these other people talked about the flip clock, maybe even the, that this other couple even had a flip clock at all, were all the work of God. God works in ways sometimes that are not so mysterious. You can follow them back and see how the dominoes were set up to all fall at the right time in the right manner to create the desired result. And that result for me was a new digital clock. No idea that God was doing something. And maybe in your life, some things have come about, have come to be in your life, and God's doing something. Maybe they're evil people. God wants to teach you about evil people. Maybe you've met someone who needs deliverance. God wants to teach you about casting out devils and cleansing the lepers and healing the sick. Maybe that's what God is doing in your life. But for sure, God's doing something. This is how, when I look back, I can see God is always doing something for us. He's always looking out for us. There's always food on the table. There's always an open opportunity to advance. There's always a time of rest when it's needed. God watches over us. He provides for us. So I got the clock. One night I go to sleep. I haven't had the clock for too long. And I have this dream. And I can tell you as a kid, no one talked about prophetic dreams. Every now and then, you know, an aunt or my mom dreams about somebody has a baby or there's a fish or a dolphin, these different symbols. And then, boom, somebody turns up pregnant and there's a new member to the extended family. So I knew about that kind of stuff. I just thought it was neat. But I thought like that was the whole of it. That when a new baby was coming, somebody might dream about a dolphin or a fish or about a new baby. And then there would be a new baby. And everybody would say, oh, that's so cool. And I thought that was the fullness of it. Because I was relayed, I was raised in a, a Catholic household. And in the Catholic empire, the Catholic church, they directly tell the people there is the time of the apostles, the gifts were necessary to prove their message about Christ, and no longer does anyone have these gifts. They perished with the apostles. That's what they say. Still to this day, it's what they say. They've been saying it for thousands of years. It's not true. It's not true. So I had this dream. And in the dream, I'm in, I lived in a cul-de-sac, a little court. Manteca, California, little cow town, a bedroom community for people who commuted to the Bay Area to work for their big paying jobs, come get a cheap house in a, they, uh, what did they call it, a, uh, a, a bedroom suburb or something like this, right? People just sleep there and then go to work. So in this dream, I'm running around my cul-de-sac at different angles, zigging and zagging, it, and I'm thinking, why am I doing that? And then, off in the distance, I see a meteor coming down. It hits somewhere far away, but I, well, I see it. 
And then another meteor comes, hits another place. And then more and more, an increasingly, an increasingly dense field of meteors begin to fall to the earth. They go through people's houses. They tear up roofs, blow through the second floor joists, blow through the kitchen, go into the basement. One hit our, the swimming pool we had in our backyard. My own swimming pool, our family's pool. Boom, destroyed it. Things are being destroyed everywhere. I've had other dreams about the meteors. People are confused. There's nowhere to turn for help. The government isn't helping people with money to repair these homes. People are asking, where do we turn? Where do we turn? So they had to turn to their friends. <clears throat> That's a different dream. So in this dream, the meteors are coming down, destroying everything. And I think I'm running like this because... I'm trying to avoid the meteors. Maybe if I zig and zag, I can, you know, miss a meteor. A meteor, I can ditch, I can dodge a meteor. But that's not, that's not what happened. Later, that part of the dream was fulfilled and I understood what it meant. So then, a great wind starts to blow. It starts blowing and blowing and blowing. And the clouds in the sky start moving faster and this was a normal California sky where you had normal clouds, not X's and matrixes of whatever they're spraying from airplanes. And the clouds began to speed up and go faster and faster and faster. Then they became just like a blur, just like a line of blue whipping by overhead. The wind blowing, roaring. And then the clouds just kind of rolled up. And there were no more clouds, just the rapidly accelerating sky. And then the sky rolled up. It just went into something and ceased to be. So then all I could see was the night sky and the stars above. And then the stars began to accelerate, began to move. And two large bodies appeared in space and they collided. And they broke up and that... Actually, you know what? That's when the meteors began. Those meteors began to fall, and that's what created the meteors. And that was, and then this really loud voice from behind me. And since then, I've learned that an angel will stand just behind you, off to one side, behind your right shoulder. Sometimes the other side. It's not like one side is you know dedicated for God's angels, and the other side for demons. It's not like that at all. There's always an angel who narrates, and he says. I can't, I can't mimic this with great authority, so much so that my body obeys him. He says, wake and remember the time. And boom, I sat right up in my bed. It was so powerful. I was afraid. I, I, I can tell you, I don't think, I, it didn't even occur to me that there might be an option to not do what the voice told me. And I sat up in bed and I looked over, boom, at that alarm clock. It says, 315, 315. I think, oh, what do I do with that? I woke up and I thought, if I'm going to remember this, I better write it down. I found a paper, I wrote it down, 315. Next night, I have the same dream, same exact dream. Wake and remember the time. Boom, I sit up. I look over, I find that paper, I write it down, 316. I think, what does this mean? 
I don't know what that means, 315, 316. Maybe there's something going on here. I don't know. Went back to bed next night. Same dream again. Wake and remember the time, 317. Each time, it's one minute later. I don't understand what that means. I didn't know. And you know what? I wasn't going to understand for another 20 years. <laughs> it took a while to figure it out. So, two nights go by, nothing more. Night's four, night's five, night five, nothing happens. Sixth night, I have the dream again. This time, it's a little bit different. This time, I look over at my next door neighbor's house. Now, this guy lived, his, his lot was situated so that his driveway had to go really far back to reach his garage door. His house was further from the sidewalk than any of the other houses on the court. And he had, consequently, the longest driveway. And in that dream, I looked at the driveway, and for some reason, the driveway was longer than it really was. It was much longer. I can tell you that that represents the passage of time. The dream was showing me a long time from now, this. And at the end of the driveway was my neighbor's house, the exact layout, the floor plan that had always been there, except instead of yellow with white trim, it was, instead of white with yellow trim, it was now gray with white trim. I thought, well, I don't understand that. Why is my neighbor's house different? It makes absolutely no sense to me. Again, the voice, wake and remember the time. And I wake up, and it's not 318, the next seek, the next step in the sequence. It's 320. So it's like nights, the two nights I didn't have the dream, or at least I didn't wake up from them. I really believe that there were no dreams those nights. I think they were skipped for a reason. We'll get to that. So I write it down. 319. Wait, am I getting out of order? 15, 16, 17. 18, 19, skip 20. Yeah, 320. So I write down 320. Seventh night. Now, this is something God's done with me over the years. Seven nights of prayer, seven nights of dreams. It's a big deal. And later in these episodes, I'm going to be sharing some of those things, some of these big deal dreams. I just call them a dream set. One night of dreams, five, six, seven, eight scenes in the dream. Sometimes two or three, as in the previous shows I shared. But a night of seven dreams is a big deal. But I didn't know that when I was nine years old. So the last time I see the dream, the first part plays out. The sky rolls, the clouds roll up, the sky rolls up, the stars start spinning, planets collide, meteors start coming down, destroying all the houses. I'm running in the zigzags all in my cul-de-sac. I look over, the neighbor's driveway is extended, unrealistically long, and at the end of his house, it's gray, gray with white trim instead of yellow with white trim. Or it was the opposite. I think the house was white with yellow trim, and something like that. It went from yellow and white to white and gray, and the white part switches from the walls to the trim somehow in one order. I don't remember exactly. <clears throat> so, but this time another thing happens. In this last version, another thing happens. I levitate up off the ground, and I start levitating down that driveway, past the driveway, to my neighbor's fence. And I arrived just so that my eyes are looking over the top of the fence. And the ground beyond, the ground beyond is the strangest earth I've ever seen. 
I've never seen this in real life. I've heard it described as a consequence of nuclear weapons, as a consequence of thermobaric weapons. But the ground looked as if somebody had boiled the earth and then suddenly flash froze the whole thing. There were bubbles in some places. In other places, there were perfect spherical indentations in the ground, as if there had been the bottom third of a bubble, the bottom portion of a bubble, pressed into the ground just as it froze. And the ground looks like that. Here and there are small bits that look like rocks or broken something. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Earth boiled, flash frozen, in place. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that. And even today, I only have guesses about what that is, which I just shared with you. But I've seen another dream years, years later when I was a student in Philadelphia. I saw a dream and a great war had happened, and then it had ended. And each year, everybody who was still alive after the war <clears throat> was required to visit this site. They had preserved a portion of this ground, and there was a huge wall all around it in a square. And you had to walk up a, a series of flights of stairs to get to the top of the wall. And then you would look over, and you would see all of this ground. And it was exactly the same is that seventh night when I was nine years old, the flash frozen ground. And this was somewhere in the northeast, this place. Everybody had to drive up there so that no one would ever forget what had happened, that we might never repeat what had happened in this war. So you had to go up there and see it. So that's twice I've seen that. So a few years later, that part of the zigzagging part comes fulfilled. Now, when we were kids, <laughs> we, we used to take broken broom handles and shovel handles and we'd get an old volleyball or maybe a soccer ball or just one of those red balls and we'd hit it around. We called it stick ball or we call it street ball. And if you'd miss and you'd hit your buddy in the shin and he'd go hopping up and down on one leg and you'd get hit a couple times and you'd come home and count your bruises and Tell your buddy the next day, I had, you know, three new bruises. I got seven bruises. It was just ridiculous fun that we didn't. Our parents would break it up if they caught us because it was dangerous. <laughs> but we ran around that court chasing the ball, zigging and zagging, just as I had in that dream. <clears throat> and someone scored a goal in my neighbor's driveway. You know, the goals were... The uh, my next door neighbor's driveway, the one that was emphasized in the dream. And it's also interesting, and I think God, this is another thing God did, is that that guy was an aerospace engineer who worked for NASA. He had designed the ailerons for the space shuttle. This is what I heard once. And somehow that's probably important too. It'll probably become an interesting factor later when everything's played out. But we scored that goal, and then this, as we always did, we started laughing. Oh, who and so he was swinging, so he didn't hit the ball one time. And we said, somebody said, no, but he hit me three times. And we started laughing, 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 and we were doubled over laughing. I had my hands on my knees, and I looked over at my neighbor's house, the NASA engineer. And, of course, the driveway was the same length. And this was a couple of years later, maybe three, four, possibly even five years later. I don't remember exactly. No, not five. It was, it was maybe four, three, four years later. 
and I had my hands on my knees and I looked over and somewhere the previous day, the painters, the painters, see this engineer, he was, he was divorcing his wife and they had to sell the house and the real estate agent told them, people don't, buyers don't like yellow. If you repaint it, you'll get a, you'll get a better price. So they repainted it. And the painters had enclosed the entire thing that the paint wouldn't spray out and get on someone's car and they'd have to be suited. So they had uncovered it the previous day and I looked over and it was gray and white. They had repainted the house gray and white, just like in my dream. And my heart kind of sank. Because let me tell you, those dreams were so real. They were so powerful that I went the next year I went to third grade and I thought, why am I going to try hard in third grade? I don't need to try hard here. The world's going to end. Rocks, meteors are going to come from the sky and destroy all the houses and the swimming pools and the streets. What do I care? I don't need to learn math and social science. I could care less. I, I really didn't care. I just got like, I, you know, I always had fun in class and I liked to study with my friends. But, the, but the third grade and fourth grade, I like did not care. I really didn't care. I got C's. I might have even gotten a D somewhere. I don't remember. But I got C's and a couple B's because that's what I needed to not get like severely punished by my parents. So that's all I did. Only when I came to school my fifth grade year, I thought, you know what? Nothing has happened. It's been two years. Nothing happened. Maybe it won't happen for a very long time. I should just enjoy life and be good at school. So I did. That was it. Those dreams, that's how real those dreams were. They changed how I didn't care about school at all. <laughs> God bless me later. I became a good student. I, I excelled in school. <clears throat> but I had two years of just pure mediocrity. C's with one or two B's you know, every semester. So those are the dreams. And those, and now I want to listen to you, the sixth seal. So this means this is... This is Revelation chapter 6, start, starting at verse 12. This is the sixth seal is opened. So that means this is after the four horsemen have ridden out. One-fourth of the world is at war. People are dying by the sword and by famine and other travesties. So I'm just going to read this. And, and I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. I didn't see those things in my dream. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth. That is the stuff I saw. Even as a fig tree casts away her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And that I did see, a mighty wind. Rolled up the clouds, the sky, everything went away. Everything started to spin unnaturally. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it rolled together. That's what I saw. The clouds first, and then the sky, the heaven, rolled up. Whoop. It just got faster and faster and faster. And then it just, it, it wasn't like it rolled up like the way a curtain rolls up. Like you see it roll up, and then, you know, uh, your window curtain, and then it flaps around. No, it wasn't one of these deals. It was as if there was a hidden barrier and it just raced behind that wall, behind that barrier, until it just disappeared. You just didn't see it. That was it. But the same way as if something rolled up. 
So I could see how somebody, having never seen that in a vision, might say, well, that's what I saw. Something like this. That's how I'm going to describe it. That's the closest thing. You roll up a scroll. The sky rolled up. Okay. Departed as a scroll. Departed as a scroll. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Okay. Uh, when we read this, this is commonly an event, but people suspect, me included, will be something called a pole shift. That the electromagnetic field of the earth will have a problem and the earth will actually move as the earth regains a new uh, electromagnetic balance or position or something. But the earth will move. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. This means the crust of the earth moves. It's something, again, that I've seen in at least one other dream I'm thinking of now. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand? I dreamed that when I was nine. Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. Why am I going to learn math? Who cares? <laughs> so, God is able to show us things. Now, there's something else I learned later, many years later, is that around that same time... So, I was, I was growing up in the San Joaquin Valley, uh, east of the Bay Area. I was growing up there. And around that same time, there was another fellow about my same age, named Ken Peters, also had a life-altering dream, similar to what I had, a dream out of the book of Revelation. I found this guy's testimony years later, and I just was so interesting. And he also got saved. He was also Catholic, same as I was at the time. When I was a boy, I was Catholic. And so was he. He later got out of Catholicism, same as I did. He was saved in a dream. He was called in a dream, same as I was. I, I didn't meet a street evangelist. I didn't go to a church. I didn't see something on television. Not a chick track found uh, in a coffee house. Nope. A dream. An angel came to me and showed me, uh, and I chose to follow God. I saw how great life would be for, for someone who chose to follow God, and I said, yes, I want that. And my life immediately changed. I received the gift of dreaming, and I've been dreaming ever since. And it took me a couple of years to figure out that the things I saw in dreams were things that later came to, have, came to pass. And that was another time that I kind of uh, freaked out <laughs> and had to reformat uh, how I interacted with our world. So God is able to show us the future. He's able to show us dreams and visions. He's able to call us and he's able to use us. I... Grew up wanting to be an engineer. I went through school. Every time I learned a new math, geometry or trigonometry or calculus, I, I would go and I'd take that math and I'd look at those numbers, 315, 316, 17, 320, 321. I'd say, what, what are these numbers? What do they mean? I would graph them in polar coordinates and, and Cartesian coordinates and I would say, what is this? I would convert them exponentially and graph that. I just could not figure out what those numbers meant. Finally, I gave up. But only after many years, I finally gave up. But I'd worked with those numbers so much that I had never forgot them. 
But one day, one day, many years later, I'd returned from Philadelphia. I'd moved to California. I was studying engineering, which really had always been my dream. And I was sitting in my bed, and someone had given me this little book by Dimitri Dudeman, Through the Fire Without Burning. And on the back, he talked about how he was called as a watchman. At the time I'm reading this, I was 30 years old, which Old Testament, granted, but biblically speaking, is the time a man was called to serve the Lord. When a Levite reached 30 years old, he could serve. And God was telling me, and I looked at those verses, and it was verses from Ezekiel saying, I've called you to be a watchman. And it talks about that. And the two verses that were skipped, the two nights with no dreams, those verses are the ones that issue the penalty if you botch it. So I was called, but the penalties kind of removed. Maybe that's the New Testament difference, the mercy, grace for grace, something. But God is good, my friend. And that's how God called me to serve. And there was this other man. I, since then, I've even found uh, another man on an episode of Omega Man Radio. This guy, it's, called, it's an episode called The Ethiopian Miracle. And this guy talks about God put him on a plane, and the exact person he needed to meet was set next to him. Happened to me in Boston. He said he was given a free business, and he didn't have to pay for it until later. That's how I paid my tuition in Philadelphia. God did that for me. Gave me a business. I didn't have to pay for it until later, when the business was making money, and I could easily afford to make the payments. See? I just see like these parallels between one life and another. I just think, why is that? Am I supposed to meet those people? Is God just confirming, like, yeah, this is something I do. I did it once, I did it twice. But there, is all, there are many things that are doubled in the Bible as well. So it's just, a, it's just a fascinating topic, and there's so much to seek and to learn about our Father in Heaven. It's just a glorious thing, a wonderful thing. Life as a Christian, uh, just as I was promised back in my last months as a jarhead in North Carolina, showed me this is what your life will be if you follow God. I said, yeah, I want that. That's the life I want. First, he showed me the life I was going to have based on my own hopes and efforts. And I saw that I'd do different things and it just kind of disintegrate, fall apart, become nothing. Nothing would big would become of it, nothing important. Just lived a life, a basic life with some hardships and some things that looked like they were going to be a great success and make my life good, you know, for a while. And then they went away, left my life. And I saw the end of my life. And I said, that's it? Is that all there is? And in this world, there are so many people, your neighbors, people you sit with on the train, people you pass in the grocery store looking at cereal. They're thinking, is this it? Is that all that life has to offer? But it's not. There's this rich rewarding, amazing journey, walking with God, drawing near to Him, understanding His voice, the way He operates in our lives, how, how truly generous He is, that when the scripture says that God is a lavish giver, they mean God is a lavish giver. When God challenges us, saying, if your father, if you ask him for a fish, will he give you a snake? No, he'll give you a fish. But if your earthly father is at this level, how much more so do you think 
On what level do you think our Father in Heaven, who has unlimited resources and power, how much more do you think He will do for you when you ask? So I encourage you, my friend, whatever you have need of, ask. O oh, great and mighty King, I pray, O oh, great God, that you will extend your hand of generosity, your hand of healing and love and provision over those who have come to fellowship on this podcast, who have come to hear about you, Lord, to hear about your message. I pray, O oh, great King, that you will give them the things that they need, if it's knowledge or assistance or a friend or a good night's sleep, Lord. On a regular basis, I pray, Father, that you will cause those things to happen. I pray, O great and mighty King, that you will drive a wedge between them and everything that is evil, that you will put a hedge of protection around them, O mighty King, that the enemy cannot persevere against. For what you establish, Lord, none can remove. What you close, none can open, and what you open, none can close. And I pray, O great King, that you will take up my cause and their cause, that you will take up our causes, O mighty King, and show us the favor for which you are famous, the favor which I know that you give. And I know, Father, that when I ask for something, that when you deliver it, Lord, it's better than expected. This is how you've always been with me, and I know that that is the only way you will ever be with me. And we thank you, O great and mighty God, that you are a lavish giver, that your love, that your mercy abounds, O great King. We thank you for salvation, and we praise your name now and forever. My friends, pray or be defeated.